Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Grace Church, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to turn your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them there. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. But it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Push a pause button right there just real quick. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I love God's word, and it's easy for me to get excited about scripture, but where was Jesus led, and by who was he led there, and what was the purpose that he was led into this wilderness? That's a little bit, just a little bit sketchy, honestly. Like, I love the passage of scripture that says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, and I love it when my Bible says that I know the plans that I, and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Like, like I can rally and I can get behind that. And I love when the Bible says, blessed am I when I get up, and blessed when I go out, and blessed whenever I come back in. Like, that is exciting stuff. But what's difficult to understand is that Jesus himself, fully God, fully man, was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tempted by Satan. It goes on to say this, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Somebody say, of course he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered the answer that we all know so much. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Let's pray once again. Lord, we thank you again for your word. We ask that over these next few moments that it would just hit the mark. God, we're not just looking to know something further, know something more. God, we desire a change of who we are. God, please not and never let us settle in this place of just being all right. But we ask that the word of God do a completed work in our lives and in our church. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. So I titled the message Appetite this morning. Appetite, and it'll become more clear as to why that is. But before I dive into that, isn't it crazy how over the last 20 years or so social media has changed? How many of you older folks remember like MySpace? How many of you still have a MySpace? (laughs) Nobody. All right. I know you do. They're still in business. I know some of you still have MySpace. It's crazy. I was just getting used to having MySpace, and then I I was pastoring a college and career ministry, and they quickly introduced me to Facebook, and they were telling me, get away from MySpace. And what I loved about MySpace in the early years of Facebook is, is that you could literally comment anything like you could take a picture of your food and everybody would be like oh that's so good and you're like it's just mcdonald's you know what i mean like uh but but everybody would just like and they would love it but now how many of you know over these last few years everybody's become critical 
And everybody feels like they are anointed to be able to tell you whatever it is that's wrong with your post. You know what I'm saying? It's like a call from God. They just, they just feel like it's their right, their privilege just to downplay. I'll give you an example. My wife and I and my daughter and my sister, we just ran a 15-mile race up in the mountains. And uh, it was the outlaw race and huge accomplishment. None of us died on the mountain. That was a good thing. We didn't have to get life flighted off. And that was even a good thing. But we did buy the insurance. I said, nobody in our family is, is running this race without life flight insurance. That's expensive. And so... Anyway, we run this race, and so leading up to this race, I'm running around Rupert. You know what I'm saying? Like you're training, you're building up to 10 miles, 5 miles. How many of you know that you cover a lot of territory if you're running 10 miles in a small town like Rupert? And so I would be, you know, first of all, people would be honking, I'm sure, because I'd turn and and I think, think I'd hear, I had my earbuds in. I promise you I wasn't ignoring you. If you were shouting out the window something, I just literally was trying to keep living and keep my mindset on the next step. But I would see people like later on in the grocery store, sometimes even at church, and they would say crazy things like this. It's like, man, your form was all messed up. <laughs> or I would hear things like this. It's like, wow, it looks like you were not having fun at all. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I was having fun. I was almost dying out there, just trying to, you know what I mean, just, just finish. But this is the deal. Like, whenever it comes to health and wellness, shouldn't this be one area that we encourage one another instead of discourage one another? I literally had one lady say, I don't know if that's good for you. I don't think you should do that anymore. <laughs> and like, listen, when you're in a space, in a place where you're looking for any, any reason to stop doing what you're doing whenever it comes to exercise... Come on, we need to support one another. We need, to, we need to not be so critical in some of these areas. But once again, where people in the past, they wouldn't say anything. Now, they feel like they've got a right to say whatever it is that they feel like they should say. That's, a, that's our culture. That's where, we, that's where we are. And even with social media, like I've seen, I've seen people and I've even known people that they turn off the comment section of their social media. What they're saying is, it's like, listen, I'm going to post what I post. I don't care what you say about it. If you don't like it, just, you know what I'm saying? Don't follow me or, 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 or don't look at whatever it is that, you know, that I've posted. But this is the deal in life. Like, we don't have the ability to turn off the comment section of the enemy. See, the devil, he's always talking, he's always presenting, he's always posting, he's always accusing of every single thing that we do wrong. And if you do not understand, listen, lean in real quick, if you don't know God's word for yourself, like the Bible for yourself, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to think that those negative thoughts come on, are just coming from inside of you, inside of your own, you know, concocting inside of your own. But you don't understand that you live in a world and you have an enemy that wants to wipe you out, wants to kill you and steal from you and destroy everything that God has. If you don't understand the world that we live in, if you don't have the word of God come on, plant it in your heart, then you're going to fall for the simple lies, but the very effective lies of the enemy many times. 
How do you know if an attack is godly conviction or is it just an attack of the enemy? An attack of the enemy will hold you down and it's, it, 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 will, it will keep you there and it will make you feel like you're, you're, you're unworthy. It will make you feel like you're worthless. But godly conviction always is done through love and it's always for the purpose of building you up. When God convicts, he's, he, he'll address the sin in your life. Like he will speak to the sin in your life, but this is the heartbeat behind it. He'll say, listen, man, you're better than what it is that you're, how you, than how you're functioning or how it is that you're living. And he's always elevating and calling you up from that place of destruction. Come on, can I get a good, maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a hand clap or an amen if you just agree with anything that I'm saying this morning. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being finally revealed to the world. You can study this out for yourself. Jesus, how many of you know he's 100% God and 100% man? How many of you know that Jesus was never created? Jesus was always from the beginning. So, so many Christians believe that Jesus was created when he was born of a virgin Mary. How many of you know that everything that was created was created by Jesus? Nothing that was created was not created from him, right? So he was before anything. He's always been, but he's being revealed into this world that you and I live in, and he's being clothed in humanity. Why? So that he could be tested and tried in all ways that we've been tested, yet sin not, to die on a cross so that he could redeem you and me. He could purchase, he could pay for the sins that we've committed so that we could be in relationship with him. Got seven of you. Thank you. So it goes on. He comes as a baby. This is where we see him wrapped in swaddling clothes. We see the star, right, resting above, and we see the magi coming, and they're giving gold frankincense and myrrh right they're they're bringing these gifts and um and and they're worshiping him and then all of a sudden it's like the flip the, the script flips just a little bit and now there's word that herod is coming to kill jesus so the bible says that joseph and mary they fled just like most of you would flee if somebody was after your child they fled to a place called Egypt. And they were there for a period of time until there was a new ruler. And then all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary is moving their family back to Nazareth. And I'm, I'm covering a lot of territory here, but they're in Nazareth. And then all of a sudden, it's time to go to Jerusalem, to the temple. They pack up Jesus and they go to Jerusalem and, and they're there. They're, they're taking care of business. And then all of a sudden, they're heading back to Nazareth. And they realize that they forgot something. Hey, Mary, you, Jesus with you? No, Jesus isn't with me. I thought he was with you. Now listen, imagine this. The angel comes to Mary and says basically this. You got one job. That one job is to keep Jesus alive until the cross and let him die on the cross. But it's your responsibility to make sure that he's well taken care of. And so imagine 
not just the frustration, but imagine the argument as they are moving back, as they're going back, come on to Jerusalem to find Jesus that they had lost. Now listen, my parenting has not always been on point, but I promise you this, I didn't leave one destination and get home and just to realize that I forgot my son or my daughter. I feel pretty good about my parenting right now. Now I will tell you that my son Tyler liked in clothing stores to hide and there was one time he was in the middle of a clothing rack and I am panicked. I'm thinking my wife is gonna kill me if I don't find this child. I'm screaming out, everybody lock the doors, Tyler. Wouldn't have been good if I went home without my son. And so here they are. I want you to realize this, that the enemy always attacks in infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in maturity. I'm going to park here for a second. The enemy will attack in infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in maturity. Guys, this is why what we do in and through the lives of our children is so important. This is why we prefer, we make a priority of our kids because if you don't realize it, let me be the first to tell you, the enemy is after your children. And this is why, come on, he's pulling out all of the stops. If he can change their hearts when they're young, then guess what? When they're old, they won't have anything to do with Jesus. If he can lie to them and tell them that they're not valuable, then the chances of them committing suicide and things like that go greatly higher. This is why we have to do everything we can as parents, as church people, come on, as people that, that volunteer in community, you know what I mean, to do everything we can to guard their hearts until they're able to guard their hearts. And some of you parents, I'm just saying this, you may not come back because of this, but sometimes we're so busy, we're trusting that everything's gonna turn out okay. And let me tell you this, that the enemy is strategic and he knows and we gotta get better and we gotta be more on point and we gotta partnership together. And if we see one kid come on in a tough situation, we have to inject ourselves into that situation to make sure that that kid is well cared for and covered. The enemy doesn't wanna deal with maturity so he'll attack the infancy of the situation. Joseph takes his family to Egypt and they go back to Nazareth and, and, and they lost him and they find him in the temple teaching. Who's he teaching? He's teaching the high priests. He's teaching the elders. Here's Jesus at the age of 12 years old speaking profound things and, and just messing up the high priest and the elders because of the wisdom by which he's speaking. And so Joseph and Mary, they say, they just walked up so calmly. Oh, there you are. How are you? No, they were like, get in the car now. Joseph's mad because he's been ripped all the way back to Jerusalem. It's his fault, I guarantee it, even if it wasn't. But this is the crazy thing is, is from 12 years old to 30 years old, 
you hear nothing more about Jesus. Nothing more. It's almost like he was hidden away. In fact, theologians will talk about how Jesus was hidden away for these 18 years. And what I want to talk to you is maybe this morning you feel obscure. Maybe this morning you feel like you've been hidden away. Maybe this morning you feel like you don't have any value. Maybe this morning you don't have any purpose because you see other people, you know what I mean, crying at the altar and raising their hands and singing with a loud voice and and wiping tears and things like that. And you're thinking, why is everybody crying? I don't feel what it is that they're feeling. You hear testimonies of people that have stepped out in faith and done something great. And then they stand up before everybody. It's like, yeah, man, I just saw this stranger in McDonald's. And I begin to tell him about the love of Jesus. And and now they receive Jesus right there in the McDonald's parking lot. We just prayed the prayer. And guess what? Here they are. They came to church for the first time this morning. You're like, that doesn't happen to me. Maybe, maybe God loves them more than he loves me. Maybe, maybe their call and their plan of God on their life is more important, more valuable than mine because none of that stuff is happening to me. And I'm just saying this, that it's possible that you are in the moments of time where it feels like nothing has happened, but there's a great preparation taking place. Any Pentecostals in the house this morning? Anybody raised in the Pentecostal church? Amen. Somebody say amen for the Pentecostals. If you're not Pentecostal, we'll pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally just, I mess with first service like that too. They didn't think it was funny. But Pentecostals, like there's certain key words that you use that just really moves people like Kairos. I do that again. I like that. That was good. Let me say it again. Kairos. Yeah. Kairos. Yeah. Kairos. No. That's that's what happens amongst Pentecostals. You just start feeding. Nothing else is being said. Kairos. Yeah. But Kairos is a divine moment. A divine moment when heaven literally reaches down and touches the earth and things are changed significantly, right? There's moments in time where, where these things happen. And this was one of those moments and one of those moments that I believe that God is going to use in your life. See, God hides things that are valuable, We see this throughout scripture. I'm going to give you a few examples, but just before I do, I want to ask a quick question. How many of you grew up with a hutch filled with china? Anybody remember a hutch filled with china? Anybody? Only seven of us? If you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. I need your help. All right. So in my house, that was the most expensive thing in the entire house. Not only could we not touch the china, we couldn't get 10 feet close to the hutch. And, and if we did, it was, like, it was like serious. Why? Because what was inside of that hutch was extremely valuable. Mom and dad would only bring out the fine china where on special occasions like Christmas, maybe somebody's birthday or if somebody special was coming over to the house. Otherwise, I literally, true story, I grew up, I had one, one device that I used for every single meal. It was a country crock butter bowl. I grew up with, that's my fine, a country crock, 
Butter Bowl. What I loved about Country Crock is it was the big butter. You know what I'm saying? I grew up loving cereal. And I would fill that bowl Saturday mornings and every other morning with cereal. And I got the big spoon. I can't use a little spoon even to this day. I get the biggest spoon. Yes. Yes. Anybody else eat out of butter bowls or whipped cream bowls or anything like that? Like that was, and, and the thing is, is you could use it for everything. Mom made this thing called goulash, and I love goulash. I, as I was older, I realized that goulash was just everything that was left over from all the other nights that we had eaten, and it was just thrown together. And you put pieces of, like a piece of bread with goulash, that's a meal for a king. <clears throat> you could feel a lot of goulash in one of those butter bowls. I loved it. And so we see that God hides things that are valuable to Moses, who was going to deliver the nations. Come on, he was hidden in the Nile River. He was hidden in the river. To Joshua that was going to lead his people into freedom. Do you guys remember when the Bible says that Moses would go into the, temp, the tent of meeting and he would meet with God face to face and the glory of the Lord would come down and fill the temple and then Moses would take what he had received from God and he would go back and he would deliver it to the people. But the Bible says the young man Joshua would remain in the presence of the Lord and fell in love with the presence of the Lord. So the very one that was going to be used to lead, come on, the people into freedom was the one, come on, that was hidden in the temple in Moses' shadow. We see, we see David. He was going to be the great king, and he was hidden on the backside of a mountain with a bunch of sheep, and then later on he was hidden in the cave of Adullam. We see Gideon, which was going to be a mighty warrior, right? And he was hidden into the bottom of a wine press. So this morning, if you're feeling unfulfilled, and if you feel less valuable than other people, it's very, it's, very, uh, it's very much an opportunity that God is just waiting to do something significant. And this is what I also want you to know, that when God is getting ready to promote you or to give you a breakthrough, there's always going to be a test. There's always going to be a test. And so you will not get from where you're at right now to where it is that God's wanting to take you without it being tested. See, James wasn't talking to baby Christians whenever he said in James chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you fall into or face trials of many kinds, don't worry about that. Don't, don't get discouraged about that, but count it joy because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So you might be here and you're like, listen, why is it that my family's just going from sickness to sickness? Why is it that I seem like I can't financially get ahead? I'll, I'll get things paid off and then all of a the sudden there will be additional bills. Why is it that I'm struggling in the area of relationships? And I, I was just, you know, a, a relationship that means a lot to me was just severed or maybe somebody was lost. And I'm just telling you this, count it all joy. See, nobody wants to find themselves in trouble sometimes. Nobody says, hey, send me. I want more trouble in my life. But the Bible says, count it all joy when you find yourself in these troubled situations. Why? Because it's producing something. It's producing perseverance uh, uh, as well as other things as well. How many of you know this, that God doesn't share everything that's coming down the, down the road? Thank God he doesn't because we would just quit right now. 
My son Jacob's here. He's my baby. He's my youngest. Just getting out of the army now. Spent six years in the army. And, and, um, but I remember his first tackle football game. It was one of those things that Tina went with Tyler and I went with Jacob. And they both had football games on the same day. And I think it was even the first play of his first tackle football game. Jacob was carrying the ball. And it just seemed like the other team were just giants compared to our team. And certainly the kid that tackled Jacob was about, it seemed like he was about twice his size. I swear he had a beard already, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, it was a freak accident. Jacob's running the ball, not afraid to get hit whatsoever. And he's running the ball and the, this big kid tackles him. And it was just a weird deal how his arm went down and the kid fell on his arm. And he literally broke his arm in two spaces. His arm literally went out like this. And it was just like, it was a bad deal, bad deal. And so they're saying, listen, we need to bring the ambulance. I, and he's, I don't know if he's in shock or if he's just being tough or what. Probably a little bit of both. But they're saying, listen, we need to bring the ambulance. I said, no, we don't need to bring the ambulance. I'll just take him the whole way to the hospital. And he's holding his arm. He's just holding his arm in place. And I'm telling him, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? He's riding right next to me. And uh, doing, doing fine, Dad, doing fine. And I said, just don't look at it. Just hold it. We're going to get it taken care of. You know what I mean? Don't look at it. Just hold it. We're going to get it taken care of. Well, one thing that I knew is, is that they were going to have to numb. Like he was totally fine with this. Didn't shed a tear. Didn't do anything. But I knew for a fact for them to be able to set that arm that they were going to have to put it in, a, in, in one of those stretchy slings. And they were also going to have to give him a, a block so that they could do that. The kid was totally fine until the, the nurse. I could go back and yell at her right now. The nurse said, well, we'll just get the shot ready. And, and shot was said, and literally I saw the color in his face just drain out. Like he's fine with his arm doing this number, but did not want to get a shot. And I think he just passed out right then. They said it, and, and everything was fine. Now he gives shots to people, which is kind of crazy. Boy, there's a whole message in that right there, but... But I'm just telling you this, that driving him to the hospital, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, we're going to get some ice cream after this is done. Boy, this is going to be so good. You know what I'm saying? We're going to, but, but you don't tell about the hard things that are going to happen. And if you don't think I'm telling the truth, what about the promise of the promised land? Hey, listen, I'm going to take you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be the best thing. And, and then, but, but there was no mention of the giants that were in the land. There was no mention. It's like, listen, you could have said something. Could have given us some warning that there were monstrous men that were occupying the land that you were given to us. And so I'm just saying that God hides things because he wants you to see the vision and the victory and he'll bring about everything else to come to pass. And I'm telling you this, that in and through the test, in and through the testing of your faith, He's doing that to make sure that you can keep the promotion that he's brought you into. What happens when somebody is promoted too soon and they don't have the character, you know what I mean, to keep it? What happens when somebody that doesn't even know how to manage a small budget, they're upside down, they, 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 they have more money going out every single month because of poor decisions that they've made. What happens when that person wins the lottery? 
They're broke in short order. Why? Because they were given something that they weren't ready. They couldn't even manage. And so God is not going to promote you until he tests you to make sure that you know how to, 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 to keep the position, to keep the promotion. And man, there's going to be plenty. I can't even tell you how many times I've come, come alongside young leaders and other leaders and saying, listen, you're going to have a lot of opportunity, you know what I mean, to self-promote and to do things to do things kind of shady, you know what I mean, to get yourself noticed and whatnot. But if you do it, even if you do get the promotion, it's bad seed. It's bad seed. I don't have time for all that. So anyway, um, the first test is going to be a test of your appetite. See, the tempter came to Jesus and he said, listen, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. What was Jesus doing? He was hungry. Why was he hungry? Because he'd been fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. And let me tell you this, the way Jesus was fasting is not how some of us fast. I'll talk to somebody say, hey, man, how you doing, man? I've been doing this 21-day fast. I'm like, really? You've been doing a 21-day fast? Said, yeah, for the last 21 days, I haven't eaten breakfast. That fast, even though it's a good fast, like, listen, skip a meal. That's great. Skip it for Jesus. Spend some time in prayer. That's good. That's not what Jesus was doing. The Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and it was, he was hungry, See, some people say, well, the only reason he could do that is because he was God. He was the fullness of God manifest in the flesh. Of course, he could fast for 40 days and 40 nights. But the Bible says that he was hungry, just like you and I would be hungry. So here he is. He's at this low space and low place. And this is where the enemy comes. And he says, listen, if you're God, go ahead and command these stones to be turned into bread. The enemy has taken a need that he has, and he's saying, listen, I've got a solution for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But let me just tell you this. I love the church. I'll never bash the church because the church is God's only plan for redemption in the world. Amen? I love the church. But there's sometimes things in the church that happen that, that, that we could get better at. That's what I'll say. See, one of the things that we've become used to hearing and used to saying in our history is this, that all you need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say that? All you need, and for the spiritual people, it's like all you need is King Jesus. Put King Jesus there and, and it just changes things, right? All you need is Jesus. One of my life scriptures, my only life scripture, really is Matthew 6, It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. But this is the deal when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. When it says, seek ye first, it brings me, and I'm not the smartest person in the room, but it brings me to a place of understanding that if there's a first, there's a second, there's a third, maybe a fourth, and maybe a fifth. He's just saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. See, we turn that verse into, seek ye only Jesus. Seek ye only the kingdom of God. But that's not what it's saying. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, there are needs that people have that certainly, if you'll bring Jesus into the center of everything or anything, that thing will get better. But there are needs that you have more than Jesus. 
I know this is kind of messing with you maybe a little bit right now because you've been maybe told forever and ever and ever that that's all you need is Jesus. Don't worry about being broke. All you need is Jesus. I, I think of these, these poor people. Tyler's here. He was in that Lahaina fire, was used to help in that situation. He's here getting some reprieve, getting ready to go back on this Monday. But I'm telling you, these people in Lahaina lost everything. The whole city, the whole town was burnt to the ground. And there's a lot more than 100 people, 114 people that were killed in that fire. Like these people have needs that go beyond needing Jesus. Like how about food, for instance? How about a house, for instance? How about, how about you know, there, there are many children that have been displaced because of this, because moms and dads and kids were separate whenever this came through. They're wondering, is my child alive or was it a, a child that was perished in the, in the fire? And so while Jesus makes everything better, there are needs that we have that go beyond. Well, just pray about it. Come on, just pick up your, your chin. Don't worry about being broke to the single people. Don't worry about being single. All you need is Jesus. But you've got this clock that's ticking on the inside of you. You desire to share life with somebody. Let me tell you this. You can't send a note to your lender that holds your mortgage and just say, Jesus loves you. <laughs> oh, he does? Thank you. Don't worry about the mortgage. Just, you know, you can't go to the grocery store and fill up four shopping bag baskets and show them your WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? He'd probably give me this food for free. Right? There are needs that we have that go beyond. We have physiological needs. We need food, water, shelter, clothing. We have safety needs, health, financial security. We have relational needs, love, intimacy, 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 intimacy. Just real quick for some of the wives out here. I've been stuck on something just for a second. But intimacy is not your husband being nasty. It is a need that he absolutely have. I, 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 I was reading some statistics. 2022, one out of every four marriages, 25% of marriages have no intimacy in them whatsoever. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come talk to me because we got young kids in here. But intimacy is a need. And the, the, the statistics go way up from that 25%. The, 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 the intimacy isn't coming frequently enough. So it's a situation. And so what happens is, is whenever that's not right, when it's not there, there, how many of you know that the enemy is going to highlight what it is, come on, that the need is and say, listen, I know you're not getting it taken care of over here, but let me show you how you can get it taken care of over here. You understand what I'm saying? It can come in the form of another physical relationship or it can come in the form, everybody got a phone? I don't have to say anything further, right? And so you can handle those needs and the enemy's gonna point out, I see your need. Come on, you, you, you know what I mean? It's just a bad time. Let me, let me show you something. It's, gonna, it's not gonna be as good but let, and it's a little bit dangerous, but let me just show you what's available, right? 
So we've got these needs. We've got a need to belong, conversation. We need community. We need to be appreciated. And we have the need of Jesus. Every single one of us were created to walk in relationship with God. Satan says to Jesus, I see your need. You're hungry. I can see it all over your face. Why don't you just, if you're, if you're God, why don't you just turn those stones into bread? Let's fix that need. See, Jesus wasn't sinning. Satan just saw the need and highlighted it. Satan's saying to you, I see your need for a relationship. Look at all the beautiful fish in the pond. Why don't you just go explore just a little bit, right? Not a good idea. Satan says to you, now is the time to make money. So much opportunity out there, but we leverage our children and we leverage our relationships in chasing money. So Jesus is hungry, but one of the things that Jesus understands is, is that he knew that whoever feeds you controls you. Whoever feeds you controls you. And this is why he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is why he said when he's sitting at the woman at the well, I have food that you don't even know that I have. Like he was getting fed from the Father. He didn't need what everybody else was looking at. And I'm just telling you this, that it's time that the church begins to feed on the Father as well. Amen? That we are sustained in and through what it is that God has given us, not in trying to pursue what we desire that we can provide for ourselves. See, God has greatness for your future, but if you don't pass this first test, you're not going to step into it. So number one, I got to hurry up here real quick. Number one is appetite. We've been talking about that. But to deal with the appetite is the test of self-control. The test of self-control. Self-control is having legitimate requirements, but yet, you, yet refusing to require them or acquire them in and through inappropriate means. I remember when I was a kid, once again, we're talking a lot about my childhood, but We'd come home from playing out in the, you know, out in the neighborhood. First of all, we'd come home from school and we'd do our homework, maybe do a couple of chores. And then if we didn't go outside, mom and dad just kicked us outside. But they didn't have to kick us outside because that's where we wanted to be. We wanted to be with our friends in the neighborhood. There were certain times, sometimes when people, you know what I mean, a light went on automatically, that meant it's time to come in. We lived out on BLM land. We had a lot of lot of space in between one house and the next and so mom and dad like literally had a uh, one of those triangles that they would like a big triangle it's time to come in and when you heard the triangle which you could hear about 15 miles away you were coming running you were coming to the house and but this is the deal when you're playing you don't realize how hungry you are right you've been playing with your friends kickball hide and go seek tag whatever Kick the can for some of you a little bit older than I am. When you come in, you're famished, you're hungry. And so what do you do? You get your country crock bowl and you go to the, (laughs) you, you go to the pantry and you're getting the cereal. And then your mom catches you at this moment. She says, put that down. Dinner's almost ready. You're going to spoil your appetite. Right? Some of you have the same parenting that I had. And so the idea is this, that 
that you can eat and you can get filled up on the wrong things, on snacks and cereal, but there's no value in the food that you're eating. In fact, if you eat enough of that, you're not going to even be hungry for the things that are good for you. It's not that you can't have a bowl of cereal, but listen, let's get what's good for you. Goulash is good for you. More nutrients in goulash than any of us will ever know. And it always changed from week to week. Eat what's good for you so that, so that you get the nutrients, you get the value out of the meal, and then you can have something later for sure. But let me tell you what's happened in our world today. We have so many people that have just been filled up on snack food after snack food after snack food after snack food that you don't even know what's good for you. Like, listen, I'm speaking those who have ears to hear, let them hear. You have gotten used to what is bad for you for so long, you don't even know what's good for you anymore. You don't even have a desire for what is good for you anymore because you've gotten so used to what is bad for you. And this is in, this literally, you can apply this across the, the whole gamut. See, snacks are always found between hunger and satisfaction. Jesus was hungry, Satan tempted him, but Jesus knew it wouldn't satisfy. Number two is this, your feelings start first with thoughts. Genesis 25, 30 says, Esau said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew that you've made, I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. First, sell me your blessing. See, there's a blessing that came with being the firstborn. And Esau's response is like, look, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright gonna be for me? See, this is how the enemy operates. The enemy shows you, he highlights the need that you already know you have. And the enemy says, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to fill that need. I'm gonna take care of that need, but it'll cost you your future. You have a need to be financially set and secure. And he's like, listen, I'll give you financial security, but it's going to cost you a relationship with your kids. Why? Because you're not going to be a voice. You're not going to be present in their life. You're always going to be on the road and traveling. I'll give you the dollars, but you're exchanging the dollars for something. He has a need. He highlights it and he exchanges something valuable for something invaluable. Esau said, what good is a birthright to me? I'm about to die. How many of you know he wasn't gonna die? We have two scenarios here I've shared with you. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, was just fine, he was hungry. Esau was out hunting for two days, maybe three days. He come back hungry, he's saying, I'm about to die. See, hunger unaddressed causes people to become nearsighted. When you don't address the hunger and you don't have a solution for the hunger that's a proper solution, you become nearsighted. In fact, I'm just going to speed up and say this. Sometimes we get so hungry for something, we don't care if God's in it or not. We get so hungry. Young ladies, I've seen this time and time and time again. A young lady, or even young men too, but mostly young ladies. I want to be married so bad. I just want to be married so bad. I just want to share. I'm ready to get married. And then all of a sudden, 
Somebody with a heartbeat comes walking by and he says a few slick words and now you've given him something special that you think is going to turn into something long lasting and it doesn't and you're alone once again. See, you become so nearsighted that you want something that you're willing to give away everything that's good and valuable to get that something and then you're left with nothing anyways. Last one is this. We overcome negative thoughts through God's word. This is a must. We have to get back to God's word. God's word is the solution and the answer. And God's word, I'm not talking about God's word through you coming and a few encouraging words being spoken on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I'm talking about you personally devoting time to God and his word. And I'm not talking about while you're driving, you know, from your house in the morning to, to work, like you can still have it playing on the, in, in and through your speakers and that's cool and whatnot. But guess what? You're thinking about 10 other things while God's word is going forward. I'm talking about you spending time on a regular basis every single day at a certain time saying, God, here I am. Here I am. God, I need to hear from you. I don't need to hear from you necessarily just through somebody else. I need to hear from you in and through your word. God, here I am. This time has been set aside for me and you. And then what we have to do is we have to learn how to bring that into the family. Husbands, it's your responsibility. But if, you're, if you as a husband aren't taking care of that, then have a wife step up and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. Let's spend some time in the word, even if it's just a scripture or a few passages of scripture that you take 15 minutes and you ask the family, what is this talking to us about? What is the context in which this is being spoken? I'm telling you what, church, we have more Bibles at our fingertips. Right now you can go on version of the Bible app and you can find 56 and a half different Bibles at your fingertips. My question is this, do we know more about God's word today than we did 50 years ago? When they only had the King James Bible and a concordance, and I'm not, I'm not this, this is not a statement to promote the King James Bible. All those Bibles there, the, the, most of the Bibles that are available to you have been translated from the original language, the Greek and the Hebrew, right? up to date today. It wasn't translated from the King James Version to all the other versions today. Just like the King James went back to the original text, all these others went back to the original text as well. But I'm just saying, whenever all we had was a concordance and a Bible, it seemed like people knew more about the Bible. Why? Because they weren't so stinking busy and they weren't, they weren't going in 10 different directions at once. They actually took time to study it, to talk about it, to meditate on it, and to allow it to govern their life. I shared with First Service that you can find a devotion about anything that is an interest of you. If you love sports, you can find devotions that are geared around sports. If you love finance, you can find devotions geared around family. You can find devotions that speak directly to the family. So we've got all of these things, but 
But is our world, you know what I mean? Are we growing? Is it evident in and through the, the fruits of the Spirit that Pastor Javi spoke so well about? Right? Is it producing? So we got to get back to Bible studies. We got to get back to small groups. We got to get back to disciplined lives. We got to get back to sharing the word of God. We got to get back to like, if you're going to have some friends over, have some friends over, play cornhole, do whatever it is that you want. But how about just, even if it's, you know, to ease into it, just bring a thought of like, listen, man, I was talking with so-and-so and this scripture came up. We began to talk about it. What do you guys think about it? Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another, right? We need the word of God. It's our, it's, it's, it's the only foundation. It's the main foundation that we have to stand upon. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and right and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, when I have to respond, God, help me not to respond out of my feelings or my own understanding or my heart. But God, when I'm in a place where I feel like I need to respond, let me respond according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, real quick, I just have to, I have to hit this just real quick. Two things. If you're here and you're not sure if you're saved because I believe you need the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God. I believe that. So you just, as a person that doesn't have, if you didn't have a relationship with God, you're not going to get much, I don't think, out of His Word. It's going it's to be very confusing and, and, and there's actually even hidden, I believe, hidden. But this is the deal is, is that if you're here and you don't know if you're saved, I want you to know that Jesus is here too. Like the Spirit of God is here. The presence of the Lord is here. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. All of us have sinned. All of us are sinners in need of a Savior. Right? If you're redeemed and covered under the blood of the Lord, you know, I, I'm not going to profess to be a sinner, but I will say this, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our only hope is to come in right and proper relationship with Jesus Christ and to ask him to forgive us our, of our sins and apply the blood that was shed on the cross personally here. That's the only way to the Father is through the Son. There's no other way. Can't be good enough. Can't do all those things. So how do you do that? You just say, Jesus, I believe who you are. Please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I will follow you all the days of my life. And that's the moment that things will begin to change for you. He'll begin to reveal things and show you things that need to be addressed and, and walked out. But you don't have to worry about that right now. What you got to do is worry about getting your sins forgiven. Knowing that Jesus loved you so much that he who was without sin became sin for you. No man took his life, but he laid it down willingly for you. So I'm asking you just right now that if that's you and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
best decision you can ever make. I just want you to raise a hand in the air just real quick so I can see it. Awesome. In the back. Thank you, sir. Is there anybody else? Everybody else is good? Okay. If you're here also this morning and you're like, um, I just need to make God a priority in my life. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. I've been putting a lot of other things first, not Jesus. If you want to make that decision this morning and declaration, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Awesome. All over the place right here. Thank you so much. All over the place. Thank you, guys. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to worship. You guys know how to give, so we don't have to spend any time with that. But please give. Trust God with your finances. But for those of you that raised your hand, this is a prayer that I want you to make personal for your own. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that changes lives. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this place. And Lord, for those that need to receive you, that desire to receive you as Lord, which means the number one in our life. Our life is not our own, but it belongs to you. For those that need to receive you and have their sins forgiven, we ask right now that you would do that. That as they confess you as Jesus and Lord and and they believe that you are who you say you are and you've done what you've said you have done, Lord, that they will right now enter into a right relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that, Lord, as they're being filled even right now, Lord, that their eyes and understanding, Lord, will just begin to expand and they'll see how you've been there all along. You've been reaching. You've been speaking. You've been loving, supporting, and protecting. So, Lord, we yield to you. Please forgive me of my sin. Come strong into my life. My life belongs to you. And, Lord, for those that have just been pursuing things other than you, I just ask, Lord, that they would just ask you to forgive them of their sins and make a declaration right now that they're just going to just going to be sold out for the things of God. What does that look like? It just means talking with you, spending time with you, bringing you into every aspect of their life, Lord. You are a tremendous friend and the best savior. And I just ask, Lord, that we wouldn't forget you in pursuit of all the other things that people are pursuing. God, for all of us, help us not leverage the eternal so that we can be satisfied for the temporary. Let us not give away things that have eternal significance so that we can be satisfied for needs that we have right now. God, I pray that you would help us, bless us, be with us, lead us, direct us, guide us, love us, grow us, strengthen us, use us, support us, anoint us for the work that's ahead. Let us love one another better. And let us love you better in Jesus' name. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. 
visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.